NL West, SD across the chest, youth movement, really dope ex-prospects, Big Willie, leader of the young pups, they hating on us, watching you them jump up, we ain't care, we ain't scared of nobody, the outfield mad skills, lottie dottie, Austin Hedges throwing out everybody, we at the ballpark, every game's a party, ignorance is bliss, so we never trip, if the pitching's up the bar, then watch out for the kids, EVT is out here broadcasting, EVT is out here podcasting. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Padres EVT Podcast. Padres EVT Podcast. Greetings and welcome to the East Village Times Podcast. I'm your host, James Clark, and with me, as usual, is the dashing Patrick Brewer. <laughs> you, you didn't think I was going to keep up with that theme, did you? I totally forgot about that. <laughs> oh, my. I like that. All right. Okay, so we're in episode 42, folks, uh, recording the night of the draft. The Padres have made three selections, uh, pick number three, pick number 39, and pick number 69. Uh, 39 and 69 have already created a bit of an A.J. Preller uproar, but, you know, what else is to be expected when you're talking about the general manager from the Padres? He... Uh, he kind of does his own thing. Um, Mackenzie Gore was the uh, number three pick for the Padres, as pretty much expected. I don't want to say – I guess I did say pretty much expected, but uh, the consensus was that he would be the Padres pick if Green was not available, and it so happened that that was the case. So um, let's talk about the two catchers first off, Patrick. Well, let, let, give me your thoughts on the two catchers right off the bat. What, what uh, Let's let's just get it uh, out in the open uh, Camposano and and and, uh, and Hunt, two two catchers. What's going on? Yeah, I know some people are upset because I mean, you know, Austin Hedges is is the catcher of the future, the swoon master himself. But yeah. um, but I, I like Camposano. I like I like Hunt. I mean, it's, they're they're two good catchers, and I mean, I can't really fault the the Padres for picking uh, what they see as the best talent. I mean, Camposano's got a great arm, a lot of raw power. Um, Hunt's a little more Austin Hedgy, I guess you could say. Um, he's got the, he's got the good glove, um, good throwing arm. Both guys have really really elite throwing arms. Um, Hunt's had a little more trouble with the bat, although his stock has risen quite a bit uh, over the last I don't know six months. So really, the last season he's he's really picked it up, and I think he's originally a lot of people were saying third fourth round for him, but I think that that, that kind of recent buzz around his name kind of pushed him up a bit. Um, his pop times are in the mid 1.8 second range. Um, he's got great catching skills, uh, good framing skills from everything I've heard, all the reports I've seen. Um, people don't like his swing a lot. There's some issues there, but he's he's a big dude, so he could grow into some more size. He's 6'3", 180 currently. Um, he could grow into some more size, uh, have a little more pop behind the plate. Yeah, um, yeah no, for sure. I like, I like it, both guys. I mean, you can't really complain. I mean, at this point, who knows what these guys are going to be? I mean, they just got drafted. Uh, both guys are coming out of high school. Obviously, Mackenzie Gore is coming out of high school as well. So we got three high schoolers mm-hmm. drafted tonight. Um, these are long-term plays, probably four or five years down the road. So it, it's hard to really judge this uh, right up front. Um, we don't know if these picks were under-slot deals to save some money for later picks. Um, we don't know if they – we don't know what's really going on. Maybe these guys are trade chips down the line. Uh, who knows? So I think it's a little too early to make any – snap judgments but uh both guys have some skills and for everything i've heard that they're probably the two most talented catchers in the in the draft or at least two of the top five most talented catchers in the draft so no complaints here 
Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, I heard AJ Preller come on to the uh, television podcast uh, this evening and uh, specifically talk about both catchers and, and indicate that both are the type of bodies and the type of uh, catchers that are going to remain behind the plate long term. And, and that in itself has a lot of value. Uh, for a major league team because you know a, a lot of players are drafted as catchers and their the bats kind of take them another level or they're just not able to progress defensively but both of these guys are going to be solid defensive catchers and, and in all honesty the Padres lack that in the minor league system you know other than uh, Luis Torrens who's presently with the team or someone like Austin Allen who's more of an offensive minded catcher they really don't have a lot as far as young uh, catchers. I mean, Marcus Green is another one who comes to mind, but he's another one who's an offensive-minded catcher. So it's nice to kind of have uh, a well-rounded staff, if you will, or a well-rounded team. And these young catchers that are defensive-minded will help with the young, you know, the Adrian Moorhones, the, the young pitchers, uh, international pitchers that the team signed uh, this um, July, this past July. Yeah, I think a lot of people feel to feel that uh... I can't talk. A lot of people fail to realize that uh, the catcher position is a position you need some depth. I mean, no catcher plays over 140 games. It's not like uh, first base where you, you want to see Will Myers play 160 games. I mean, you're going to need two decent catchers at the big league level. I mean, you're obviously going to have one guy you want to start play 120 games, but you're going to need yeah. another backup uh, type catcher, and, and one of these guys could be that. So yeah. um, I, I think it makes sense to have these catchers. That, like you said, there's really not a lot in the system to like with catchers. I mean, you got Marcus Green, who's been, I mean, pretty good, but he's, I don't think he's much of a, a top-notch prospect. I mean, Austin Allen's probably the, the biggest name you hear there, but he's got a lot of problems on defense, a lot to work on. The bat's there, but he might move off of catcher at some point if he can't um, turn up the defense. And then you got a guy like Steve McGee in A, who's not really much. Rocky Gale, obviously, still floating around. So, yeah. Catching is probably a position they actually, ironically enough, they needed catching, really. I mean, sure, you have Austin Hedge at the big league level. Maybe you have Luis Trenz um, hanging around the system past this season. But um, you can never have too much depth. And, and I think it's it's really about acquiring the best talent. And you kind of figure out the positioning later. If you don't need a catcher, you can trade a guy. If you can convert a guy to a different position, that's also a possibility. You've seen that in the past. I mean, there's been plenty of guys yep. that converted from catcher to outfield or catcher to um, yep. pitcher. Like just look at Kenley Jansen, exactly. probably the best exactly. closer in baseball is former catcher. So, yeah, um, I think well, it, it presents options. Both guys have big arms. Both guys are pretty athletic guys. They're not um, kind of thick. They're not really thick body to the point where they can't show some athleticism. So I think um, there, there's a multitude of options here, and I think we just gotta wait and see how it plays out a little bit. Yeah, no, we definitely need to wait and, uh, and not pass judgment at, at this point because it's still early in the draft and there is the possibility that they could be saving some money with these two catchers in order to uh, pursue some of the higher-priced talents and kind of lure them away from college and stuff like that. So, you know, there's a lot of factors that play in. And, um, can you know, talking about converted catchers, let, let's move into Will Myers, who was a converted catcher uh, drafted by the Royals. Uh, we've all kind of had a little bit of concern over his season so far. Uh, you and I specifically have talked about it. Um, it seems like he's just this sacred cow that no one can even criticize at this point. But um, let's talk about Myers and if you see him progressing at all uh, at the plate and, uh, you know, just in his demeanor in general. Uh, yeah, at this point, I think I've become, um, I guess, Will Myers' number one critic. I'm now Will <laughs> Myers' hater, apparently, which couldn't be further from the truth. Um I want nothing but to see this guy succeed, but I think we just have to be re realistic about what kind of player he is and what kind of player he's going to be going forward. I mean, 
obviously he had a big March. I guess you could say April. He obviously had a big April, 140 WRC plus, but he tailed off in May, and so far in June he's been even worse. He's striking out 44% of the time through the first week and a half of June, almost two weeks now. Um, yeah, he just hasn't been hitting at all, really. And at this point, I think it's fair to question the guy. I mean, some people don't want to question him at all, or they want to say, oh, give him some time, he'll heat up, it's June. But now in the season, he's down to a 106 WRC+, plus, which for a first baseman, that's just not going to cut it. I mean, especially when he's not playing any defense, he's not really providing much on the bases. I mean, he did have an RBI knock tonight, so maybe that's a sign of something good. Who knows? But um, at this point, it's just not looking good for this guy. I mean, this is a guy who's supposed to be the face of the franchise, and you cannot have a player who is the face of the franchise disappear for a month and a half, two months at a time. Um, it's just not something that you can sustain. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. I mean, he's, we all knew that he had these streaky tendencies to him. Um, it, it's about consistency. I mean, this is his only second, this is his second year of, of full service time. So I, I still want to give him a little bit of a leash, but I am definitely becoming a little concerned. You know, the, the Padres gave him quite a bit of money and, and you want to make sure that you're getting the most value out of that. I mean, Coming to the ballpark every day and, and in the locker room, it, it's hard to say you know that he's a negative in, in any way in that regard. But it's just you want to see the production on the field. You want to see him not give away at bats. I mean, he's supposed to be the legitimate hitter in the middle of the order, and at times he's just seems lost at the plate. Yeah, I'm not sure what's what what it's going to take to break him out of the slump right now. But he just hasn't looked good really in in any sort of way. So. Um, they really need to make some sort of adjustment here and, and figure out some way to get him back on track. I mean, this guy is the face of the franchise, and at least that's what they want him to be. So he's not going to be doing that if he's playing at this level. No, no. And it, it, there's a lot of young players coming up, and, and it, it's it'll be interesting to see how he progresses or if he's able to progress and, and, and get his feet under him. And, you know, if he's able to have a hot July or June, this could all be just a distant memory. But we need him to find consistency. I think that's the most important thing with him is is that the Padres need him to be more consistent uh, every day, every week, every month, and you know, put that effort into to becoming the player that they envision him to be. Yeah, you gotta think he might be pushing too hard at this point. I know he's trying to live up to that contract. He's trying to live up to the labels that have been put on him. Um, he might be trying to do too much at this point, and he might just need to, I don't know, get his head right and, and focus on just producing and not, not try yeah. to push it too much here. Yeah, it's a it's a work in progress, and hopefully he'll be able to, to figure it out fairly soon because he has those streaky tendencies, and I, I really expect him to just catch fire sooner rather than later. Um, you know, let's, let's talk about uh, the young prospects who have come up this season. Uh, most notably, uh, Phil, Phil, Maton, Phil Maton, uh came up yesterday. Um, for our analytical segment, we're going to talk about uh, spin rate, which is kind of uh, the calling card for, for Maton as far as his um, professional career. Uh, Patrick, explain to, spin, explain to us a little bit about spin rate and how that's effective in uh, neutralizing batters. So I'm still I'm still trying to 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 get his name right. <laughs> I keep saying Matone, Matone, yeah, Maton. I, th- I, th- I think it's Maton. I'm, I'm pretty I'm, sure it's Maton as well. Um, anyway, <laughs> I haven't listened to the broadcast yesterday or today, so I, I didn't really hear what they were saying. But um, yeah, so pitcher spin rate represents uh, kind of the spin the spin of the baseball after it's released. So it's re- it's measured in revolutions per minute. 
Um, so obviously a higher spin rate is better. Um, if a pitcher's if you have more spin in the ball, not only does it move more, but it's a little harder to pick up for the batter. Um, so from all the scouting reports you hear on Phil Maton, um, his spin rate has has it makes his fastball almost look. I've heard scouts call it the invisible fastball because with how much it's spinning, you can't really pick it up out of the hand. Um, during its flight path, it's kind of hard to see where it's going and how it's moving and dipping. Um, he's got a lot of movement on that pitch, obviously. Um, according to, I guess, internal reports, because we don't really have um, too many numbers on his spin rate at this point, um, it hovers around 2,500 RPMs, which would put him near the top of baseball alongside guys like Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer, who both um, rely on rely on fastballs with very high spin rates to um, deceive batters and get those strikeouts. So for Maton, um you're hoping that can translate to the big league level. I mean, as I said before, it kind of has that invisible sort of fastball. So if he can channel that, um, this is a guy who could be a closer one day. He could be a guy to, to hold up the back of a bullpen. So um, lots yeah. of like there in that profile. And, and we're just hoping at this point that he can keep it up while he's in the pros. Yeah, no, I mean, he's very impressive and it's nice to see uh, the system start to bear fruit a little bit here and there and, and uh we just got to get those starting pitchers up here you know it's going to take a couple years but once those starting pitchers start to arrive you got to think that uh things are going to start to turn around and, and the tank talk will start to diminish if you will yeah i think this him and lamette are kind of the first of the wave i think um they were mm-hmm. the guys at the top of the system obviously you had margot renfro hedges at the beginning of the season but past those guys these these are the guys that start coming up couple pitchers yep. in double a who could be moving up at some point um all those guys yep. in low a and high a start moving uh this is the time of year where you start seeing some more movement so we'll For have sure. to see how it plays out but uh Maton looked good in his first outing um I, I checked his spin rate actually on baseball savant he was at about just shy of 2400 rpm so he's about, wow. about where he they said he was going to be so we'll see how that uh goes long term obviously that's a small sample just i think he only threw like what seven eight pitches that first uh, appearance yeah so. th- yeah i believe it was seven pitches he uh was very efficient for sure yeah so uh we're gonna have to let that play out a bit and get a little bigger sample there but yeah he, he looked good so yeah it's it's uh it's exciting to see uh, a young pitcher like that for sure um okay so a little bit of moving and shaking this week uh ryan Schimp was sent down uh to AAA el paso um you know his numbers were bizarre this season i i i I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of want to say I was surprised that he was sent down, but in some regards I'm not because I've seen games where he just looked lost at the plate. I mean, just taking fastballs right down the middle. I, um, talk about his numbers a little bit, uh, Patrick, in, in particular his uh, WRC, and, and give us your, your thoughts on his future with the team and, and if he has any trade value at all. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of weird. He, had a, he still had a 90 WRC+. Plus, so it's not like he was bad i mean the potters have so many worse hitters kind of at the big league level but yeah the strikeouts were really picking up lately he struck out 70 times so far this season in 197 plate appearances and he's striking out almost half the time adding the home runs and the walks and he's about as much of a three true outcome player as you have at this point so um yeah he just wasn't good at all i mean in june he had a negative 69 wrc plus for what it's worth um I, I didn't believe this stat when I first read it, but he, <laughs> over those first, whatever, eight games of June that he played before he was demoted, he struck out in 73% of his plate appearances. <laughs> oh, I can't even say it with a straight face. 73% of his plate appearances. Yeah, that's, wow. Um, yeah, 
wasn't good. So <laughs> no, he he. Had, I don't think he had a. Yeah, he didn't have a single hit in all of uh, June. Uh, wow. I think he walked about maybe once or twice. I want to say. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, just not good. I mean, he was producing absolutely nothing at this point. Um, so yeah, amazing. You kind of hope that sending him down, maybe he can figure out work on the Kinks. I mean, he obviously was very successful last year. Uh, but it's, it's it's time to begin to question kind of where he fits into this team long term, and if I know we all wanted him to be a trade chip, but that might that ship might have sailed at least for this season. So I, I kind of wanted your thoughts. Where do you see that playing out? Is he a guy that's going to stick on this team long term? Is he a guy that's still a trade piece? Is he a guy that's going to be off the team completely? What do you think? Yeah, with his age, it's hard to say that he has any value at this point. I think teams pretty much know what they're going to get with him. Um, you know, I it, I don't know. If the Padres were DFA him, I'm sure a team would pick him up, and he might surface somewhere as a productive power bat off the bench. Um, you know, it's it's hard to find middle infielders that can hit 20 to 30-plus home runs. So he has the ability. Um, it's just not a good fit for the Padres right now. I, I think that they're they've moved on. I mean, look at what Spangenberg's done recently. Uh, he's already has three hits tonight. I mean, he's presents more of a future, more of a, a ability for a future and, and more of a ability to demand uh, value in a trade. I mean, if they can boost Spangenberg's trade value, they might be able to get something decent for him while Shimp, his value is what it is. And, and it's uh, minuscule if, if even that. Yeah. I think going into the year, it seemed like they were going to play the hot hand a little bit. And at this point, Corey Spangenberg's been the hot hand, and Shimp's been doing nothing. So uh, I'm not sure if Spangenberg's a guy you trade. I think if he keeps hitting well, they could really he could play himself into the Padres' future. Uh, he's For got sure. a two, 229 WRC plus uh, in, in this month, a 517 WOBA, which is insane. Wow. Um, his ISO is over 300, which obviously helped by that two home run game yesterday. But yeah, he's hitting well. Um, I guess we should thank James for fixing him with that piece. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe yeah. we should maybe you should get a Ryan Shimp piece going, just saying. <laughs> to boost um, the trade value. <laughs> yeah, get that Will Myers piece going again. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah. but yeah, he's he's been good and I think he, he just was playing better and at this point they're like better run him out there and get Shimp those at bats down in the minor leagues as they did with Spangenberg at the end of the year. Yeah, definitely. I think you know Spangenberg's the future of the team right now, and it's it's fun to see him uh, make the adjust make the adjustments and, and be successful. I mean, he's he's uh, he's ha- he's always has the he's always had the ability. I mean, he's a former number one pick for the team. I mean, there's always been the ability. It's just the plate discipline is always lacked, and it's nice to see him make uh, the adjustments. And hopefully, he's able to keep it up. I mean, because there's there's no telling that the the pitchers are going to make another adjustment towards him. I mean, it's all about adjusting and adjusting and adjusting at this point when you're a professional uh, baseball player. So, um, Folks, I, you know, I just want to talk about OriginalGrain.com real quick. Uh, Original Grain Watches, which is our sponsor of our uh, podcast, uh, both Patrick and I are, are ecstatic to be able to work with them. Uh, they're a local company out of San Diego, uh, established in 2013, uh, check them out at OriginalGrain.com. Uh, they have a new watch, or a watch that they're featuring out right now, which is called the Brewmaster, which is crafted from uh, German uh, beer barrels, which is really cool watch. I mean, you really have to check out their stuff, uh, OriginalGrain.com. EBT is out here broadcasting. EBT is out here podcasting. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Padres EBT Podcast. Padres EBT Podcast. All right, welcome back, folks, to episode 42 of the Padres EBT Podcast. Uh, we're going to get into some minor leagues uh, stuff right now since that is the future of the Padres, and that is where 
most of our happiness comes from, right, Patrick? Yeah, those guys make me happy. <laughs> yeah, they do. They do. There's whenever the Padre game gets me disappointed, I'll, I'll go to my computer and I'll look and see what Hudson Potts is doing. I'll go see what Logan Allen's doing. I'll go see what Michael Geddes is doing, and it makes me feel a little more satisfied knowing that they're they're coming eventually. It's like it's like waiting for Santa Claus, though. It's uh, it's tough to wait for. Hey, Hudson Potts had three hits today, including a home yeah. run. Michael Geddes yeah. also hit a home run, so you picked some good names. There you go. See, um, well, let's let's talk about Jacob Nix in particular. Uh, that's someone who is kind of flying under the radar. I know uh, MLB has him ranked as a number five prospect, but you really don't see a lot of press on him from the local media or a lot of stuff talked about him. But he has a very decent upside and is performing really well in Lake Elsinore right now. He's uh, off to a one and zero start in his first three starts. Uh, he missed uh, the beginning of the season with a little bit of uh, was it arm issues that he had? I, I don't remember off the top of my head. I do not either, actually. Okay, so he missed a little bit of time in Lake Elsinore. He started a little late, but he's been progressing. Um, I saw a couple of his starts. Uh, I was very impressed with his curveball. Uh, he has an excellent curveball, and I saw a lot of batters flinching on it. Um, let's talk about Nick's and, and just you know at, throw his name in there into the the, the, the names of you know Lauer, Quantrill, Espinosa, Morahone. I mean, it's just and now we have Mackenzie Gore. I mean, it's just it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, I mean, we we were kind of spoiled going into the season with a storm rotation with Lucchese, Lauer, Quantrill. Now Schultons is pitching well. That's not even including yeah. Espinoza. Now we have Nick's down in, in the scheme of things. Um, he's looked he's looked good in his first few starts. Probably had his best start, perhaps of his professional career. Last time out, threw seven innings, gave up one earned, struck out seven. Um, he looked really good. Um, he sits mid nineties with that fastball, reaches up to ninety seven. Um, He's looking a little more comfortable with the curveball. Uh, both the fastball and curveball look like they could be plus pitches uh, in the future. Um, still, some work to do with that. With that, making that change up uh, be an average pitch. Uh, so give him that third pitch. Um, he still needs to work a bit on throwing strikes a little more. But I think he, he's shown a pretty good progression uh, last season. And I think going to this season, we expect a little more out of him. And, and now that he's healthy, I think. He could be a quick mover as well. They have a couple guys who could be quick movers. Obviously, Eric Lauer, Joey Lucchese. Um Yeah, I think he's he's doing everything he needs to do. Um, if the change of a command improved the way they should, this is a guy who could be a mid-rotation starter somewhere down the line. So looking mm-hmm. forward to seeing how he further develops as the season progresses on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's, it's exciting time. I mean, folks, if you haven't been out to Lake El somewhere to see some of these pitchers pitch, you, you really should get out there because they are progressing and they will be moving on to Texas. Um, you know, of course, we can count on Logan Allen and company uh, coming in, uh, hopefully the end of the summer. But there's just a lot to love about this Padre system. There really is. Uh, the Tri-City uh, fi- uh, roster was finalized uh, recently. Give us a little information on that, Patrick. I know there's a couple of surprises uh, in the roster. Uh, in particular, Austin Smith was, I don't want to say demoted, but he was sent to Tri-Cities to kind of work on uh, some issues that he had. Uh, give us some other names that are that uh, fans can uh, expect to see at Tri-Cities this year. Oh, he was definitely demoted. <laughs> I will not, <laughs> I will not uh, sugarcoat that at all. Um, all right, yeah. he was demoted. Yeah, there's a lot of good guys to watch. I mean, a few... Quite a bit of recent draft picks, both last year and 2015, in terms of pitchers. Uh, Dalton Erb, Jason Ford, Evan Miller, Will Stillman, Ben Sheckler, obviously Austin Smith, Mark Zimmerman. A couple of those guys have seen some time at Fort Wayne. A um, few international prospects to watch. Henry Henry's going to make his, uh, I guess, 
professional debut. It's his uh, season debut. Uh, Osvaldo Hernandez, who was signed last year, he's a guy that picked up some attention um, during spring training and extended spring training. Uh, Adrian Morahone's probably the big one, obviously. Um, he's looking to finally get it started after having a slow start to the year with injury. Um, on the offensive side, they got Luis Almanzar, who was another signee from last year. He's not yet 18. Justin Lopez, who is 17. <laughs> Both those guys are 17, yeah. going to be playing in professional baseball, which is pretty crazy. Uh, Boomer White, who was drafted last year, um, he'll be joining the roster. Uh, Trey Carter and Josh Magee, who I think you've interviewed a few times, right? Yeah. Yes, McGee, I did. Is it McGee or Magee? Uh, I thought it was McGee, but I'm not sure. Who knows? Um, yeah. Yeah, Trey Carter, a guy I liked a lot last year's draft. Um, center fielder, a lot of speed. Um, could be a good defender. Uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of names to like. Um, Going to be keeping an eye on them. A uh, bit of a drive, but maybe we should uh, go check them out this summer. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be a, that would be an awesome experience to go up there and, and see them in Washington for sure. Fun little uh, it's, <laughs> yeah, exactly, in the little EVT road trip. Um, okay, folks, so let's uh, let's end this uh, podcast with a little rapid fire questions as we usually like to do. Um, we they they uh, we call it rapid fire, but they kind of turn into long winded discussions from time to time. But um, I'll start it off, Patrick. Uh, tell me about the Padres outfield in September. Who do you see manning the three positions in the outfield in September? I've been thinking a lot about this because, I don't know, it's such a tough thing to call at this point. I mean, obviously Margot was doing well at the start of the season, kind of tailed off a bit, then got hurt. Renfro struggled, now he's playing a little better. Uh, Jankowski wasn't playing well at all, then got hurt. Dickerson has yet to play. Cordero's tearing it up out there. You got Alan Cordoba playing out there more often than not. Um, so yeah, it's kind of difficult to see how it plays out. I still think Margot and Renfro have those spots. Um, I think Cordero's probably played himself into more playing time. Um, mm-hmm. To me, Jankowski's a guy who might be the odd man out. He might end up back in AAA. Uh, Alex Dickerson, I think he's... I don't know if he's a starter. He seems more bench bat to me, but not sure they're really going to know that unless they try him out. So at this point, they have almost too many options, but that's a good problem to have. So... Uh, over the next three or so months, we're going to see how this plays out and, and kind of get a better picture of the long-term outlook of the outfield. Yeah, no, it's it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I mean, we can pretty much the given is Margot and, and Renfro as far as uh, left or as far as center and right, but left field is is the mystery right now. There's kind of been a, a rotating uh, group out there uh, so far, but it, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see. I, I think. It's nice to know that the Padres have options, though, at this point. I mean, there's even a, a Matt Caesar you could throw in there for a potential option here and there. Yeah, I, I like Caesar as that kind of veteran depth piece. Um, Cordero's really surprised me. He's making a lot of hard contact. Um, a little bit too many strikeouts for my liking, but with, with the contact he's making and, and the glove obviously being good, the speed that he provides, I think he's a guy who's earning himself more playing time. And it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, you want to hit me next with the rapid fire, or what's going on? Can I just say that I just I read a tweet that said fire AJ Preller, so it's going to be that kind of night. Wow, that's yeah, that sounds that sounds logical. He's he's the worst. Um, I wanted your thoughts on <laughs> Jose Perella. Um, I know he's the guy you like a little bit. Uh, I want uh, I want to say what you think about him so far, and and what his long term prospects are as a member of the San Diego Padres. I you know long term it's it's tough to say I mean he's not a a young prospect by any means uh, the Padres DFA'd him this winter and nobody picked him up 
but I love journeyman veteran minor leaguers, career minor leaguers who just finally find it and finally get that, that, uh, just they don't want to go back down to the minor leagues, and I sense that about him. He he wants to have a legitimate shot at, at earning a career in the major leagues, whether that's on the bench or starting or or wherever. He's shown the ability to swing the bat, and he's also shown versatility as far as being able to play first base, uh, second base, left field. So the intangibles are there. Uh, he's hitting. I mean, he's got two hits already tonight. I mean, the man is swinging the bat well. He has all season. Uh, his future in San Diego is up in the air, but if he continues to hit and the Padres are able to showcase him and play him every day, that's someone who could have some value uh, come July uh, trade deadline. Yeah, I definitely agree on that. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fun to see him uh, hopefully progress. And, and you know, he's not going to hit 500 the whole year, but the man is just. I mean. Do you have his exit velocities offhand? I, I thought I read somewhere that he was already like second on the team in exit velocity. Um, if you give me a minute, that, I will okay. pull it up. <laughs> now that'll be something you work on while we while we chit chat here. Uh, okay, for your rapid fire, uh, let's talk about Denilson Lament. Uh, uh, he obviously had the two great starts. Everyone was ready to give him the Hall of Fame bust in in, in Cooperstown, but he's progressed a little bit, like it's expected. Is he going to stick in the rotation once uh, Cahill or Weaver come back from injury? Okay, before I answer that, uh, Perella has a... This doesn't include yesterday's game, or obviously tonight's game, but he was averaging 97 on the exit velocity, (laughs) which is insane. And I should say, as I just mentioned, Franchi Cordero is at 95, which is pretty solid. Um, Myers is just shy of 90. He was the team lead in terms of guys that have played... um, the whole season. The only thing with Prella is his launch angle is negative, meaning he's hitting a lot of ground balls, but hmm. he had a couple home runs over the weekend, so that's yeah, turned around yeah. a little bit. Uh, back to Lamette. Um, yeah, I w- obviously I was skeptical about him. I got a lot of flack for that, um, which maybe I was maybe I was wrong to be so skeptical right off the bat, but I think at this point he's proved what he is. He's a young pitcher. He's a guy that's going to take his lumps. He's, he's learning. He's developing at the big league level, and I, I think that's what we can expect from him is that he's not always going to be, I guess, perfect, if you want to say that. Um, right now he's got the highest DRA on the team, the highest FIP on the team. And, uh, yeah, I think he, he's a guy that's pro- – I think he probably should stick, even if Weaver comes back or Cahill comes back. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think he's deserving of a spot in the rotation. Um, now that he's up here, he's made four starts. I think he's only going to learn what he needs to learn at the big league level. Um, he's taken these – he's taken – these losses, he's learning things about his fastball command. He's learning things about his changeup, where he can spot those pitches. Uh, what happens when he's missing with that command? Um, I noticed his last start, he was he was taking a little bit off the fastball because he was struggling with the command. So he's trying to kind of pinpoint his pitches a little more. He's trying to um, pitch, I guess you could say, rather than yeah. just throw the ball, um, mm-hmm. as the cliche goes. But yeah, I think he's he's gonna learn. He's gonna he's gonna have some bad starts. He's gonna have some good starts, but. I think he needs to be at the big league level at this point. He needs to uh, work those kinks out. Yeah, no, I agree. It, it uh, it's a work in progress, and uh, you know, it's nice to see him get some experience on the major league level. That that that's for sure. Yeah, it's it's good to see the guy developing. It's good to see him up here. Um, just another just another uh, feather in our cap in terms of prospects at the big league level. Um, yep. Okay, I want to bring bring it back to Will Myers a bit. Um, there's been a lot of talk on him at first base. How he's looked a little shaky there. Um, maybe it's too early for this question, but do you think Will Myers should be moved to the outfield at some point? Ooh, 
Um, yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. You know, I think it, it really depends on what other, you know, what other players they have that are able to play first base that would remove him from said position. At, at this point, there's no one else at first base who could provide an offensive spark that, that that would remove him. So, but you know, later on down the line, I, I definitely could see that happen. He's a team player. I mean, we've seen him in center field when he had no business being out there and he put in the best effort he could. And, and you know, seeing him in left field wouldn't be a bad thing. Um, Josh Naylor's down in, in, in Lake Elsinore, although he hasn't really been playing a lot of first pitch, which is, which is a little concerning to me, but there's, you know, at this point, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put him in the outfield unless there was a, a need to. And, and at this point, I don't see a need to to move him at, from uh, from first base. Fair enough. Uh, my concern is more defensively. I mean, he hasn't looked very good there. Obviously, he's still learning mm-hmm. the position, so I think they should give him a pretty a pretty hefty leash there. Um, yeah. But with, with no, the out, I, with the outfield situation, what it is that we already kind of, I guess you could say, backloaded there in terms you know. of guys. Um, so yeah, I, I think you gotta um, just play it by ear at this point. Yeah, no, I think the defense is a little bit of a concern, but uh, you know we saw that he's a more than capable defender last year. We just need him to get back to that uh, that pedigree at, at, at first base. Yeah, um, we'll see. Um, I'm gonna throw a little bit of curveball at you right here, uh, Phil Maton. Is he here to stay, or will they demote him at some time this year? Um, I don't see any reason why he shouldn't stay unless he's just awful which I, I can't really see him being awful at this point so yeah I would say he's here to stay I mean look at Kevin Quackenbush Do, would you rather have Kevin Quackenbush out there I don't think he was so. <laughs> no 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 <laughs> so I yeah think, no, I know the bullpen has enough problems where he, he would be the least of your concern I think yeah I, I think it's pretty safe to say that he's not going to get rocked on a, on a nightly basis so he should be able to stick and it might be uh, it might be safe to to count him in for the you know for uh, the rest of his career as far as being a major leaguer. I mean, he's got that kind of ability and that kind of an arm. It's uh, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, I'm hoping he's a closer. So we'll we'll see how that goes long term. Definitely. Um, okay, uh, let's talk about trade chips uh, that the Padres possibly have. Um, you know, Hand and Solarte are the the. I guess more more popular players that have been discussed. Uh, I wrote a piece last week uh, indicating some players that might be uh, on the block per se. Let's talk about some players that uh, could hold some value and that could uh, you know fetch a, a decent prospect uh, in the next few months. At this point, I'm having a hard time seeing any trade chips outside of Brad Hand, just because Slarte hasn't really been playing well, although he's picked it up a little bit in recent weeks. Um, Brandon Maurer's been so-so. He's a guy that could be traded. Uh, Ryan Buchter hasn't been great. Um, outside of those guys, there's really not a lot of options um, really for trades. A lot of young guys that maybe don't want to trade. I know Ryan Schimp was a guy who many considered as a trade candidate, but now he's in the minors. Uh, I guess Corey mm-hmm. Spangenberg's a possibility. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if you don't see more than one or two trades with maybe Brad Hand. Uh, I think Brad Hand's probably the one that's I'm fairly certain he'll be traded um, unless they just don't get the price they want. Um, yeah. But outside of him, maybe, maybe Maurer and Bookter, but at that point you're blowing up the whole bullpen. And unless you got a couple more guys coming up behind Maton, um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But, yeah, 
I'd put my money on hand about ninety percent trade probability, and then maybe mm-hmm. Maurer and Booker at fifty fifty, and then beyond that, it's it's really a guessing game. Yeah, I, I think health has a lot to do with it. I think uh, Cahill, Dickerson, and Jankowski could also hold some value, but each one of them need to come back and be able to perform uh, on an everyday basis. Uh, Cahill in particular, I, I, I really had high hopes that he was going to be able to hold uh, some decent value for the team, being that he's on a one-year contract. But the shoulder injuries still seems to be lingering, and you know he's the type of pitcher who's never really – thrown over 200 innings uh successfully so it's it's a little bit of concern on on, you know what his value is um as far as trade value yeah all three of those guys are running out of time a bit i mean we're already almost halfway through june about a month Mm -hmm. and a half before the trade deadline so if those guys don't get healthy and start performing it's going to be a hard sell to trade those guys um i haven't actually heard anything about cahill recently yeah Um, I I I i know he played catch last week Mm-hmm. Um, but he still hasn't had a bullpen, so at this point, who knows if he's going to be back before the break at all. I know um, Dickerson took some at-bats in an extended spring game last week. Um, Jankowski is out of his walking boot, and he was supposed to undergo a scan today to check on that healing, so we'll see how that goes. Um, Margot's running at full speed. He's taking swings, so he's on the mend, probably back in the next few weeks, hopefully, barring any setbacks. Not sure what Jared Weaver's doing. I'm just running down the list now. Uh, Christian Friedrich made his yeah, yeah. debut with Double A missions. He got hit around a bit. I actually watched that game. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of question marks here. No, there definitely is a lot of question marks. Um, it's still, you know, let's 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 focus on the draft and and what happened today and and talk about the future because that's really what it's about. Uh, the Padres selected Mackenzie Gore with the third uh, with their third overall uh, selection. Uh, then then went with uh, Luis Caposano and Blake Hunt, uh, two high school catchers. So uh, it's interesting. We'll we'll definitely have to see. There's there's a lot more uh, left, a lot more players to be selected. So it's uh, it's an interesting time of the year. Um, the Padres are, are are moving and shaking. Uh, AJ Preller is tough to predict. Uh, you know, it, we wouldn't have it any other way now, would we, Patrick? No, I love it. I mean, I love Mackenzie Gore. It's a great pick. He's a a great pro- yeah, a great prospect. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you have the swoon master, but I don't mind picking two catchers. Both guys look like they could be real yeah. talents. So yeah. Don't worry, Austin Hedges. You still have my heart. So yeah, I, I don't think Austin Hedges has to worry about two eighteen-year-old catchers taking his job anytime soon. So I think Padres Twitter can kind of relax on on in that regard. Yeah, he'll be um, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you, folks, for joining us on episode forty-two of the Padres EVT podcast, uh, sponsored by Original Grain Watches. Uh, OriginalGrain.com. Check them out. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we should be back in the next couple of days with a. Uh, draft expert hopefully to kind of give us a little bit more of analysis on uh, the Padres selection uh pat patrick you want to take us out yeah so we're hosted on Podbean. that's east village times podcast uh we're on apple podcast you can uh give us a review on there that'd be greatly appreciated let us know how we're doing um i'm on twitter patrick brewer 93 james is ebt underscore j clark ebt underscore news uh give us a follow on both those we're also we also have our own uh twitter for the podcast i believe that's EVT podcast, James, is that right? Yes, that, that is it. Yeah, EVT podcast. Give us a follow on there for any news on guests and kind of what we're planning. Uh, yeah, so we'll be around, as James said, later in the week. Hopefully, we'll be talking a little more draft. Um, but yeah. Thank you so much, folks. 
uh, East Village Times podcast. Signing out. Thank you.